welcome to Anime Today. I am Don Kuhn, your host. And I am Daniel Son. And Don, Donovan's also our new uh, trumpeteer over there. <laughs> yeah. Please excuse us because we, like we are desperately looking for new theme music. And our uh, initial adventure did not work well, as you, can, you guys can all hear from that 25-second intro. <laughs> anyone out there can make a really cool anime theme definitely shoot us an email at animetodaypodcast at gmail.com and we will you know review you and you might be the one yeah and if you want your music featured on this podcast then you should get it to us before spring uh 2021 anime comes out that's an april deadline because that's when we would like to have that new uh new theme installed so uh, without further ado, uh, Don Kuhn, how are you doing this week? I am chilling, man. Uh, what, anything new? What, what, what's going on? Uh, Were you affected by uh, Daylight Savings? Chicken. Oh, hell yeah. I, I actually, i just been, my sleep has been off in general. Like I've been waking up in the middle of the night, um, like multiple times in the middle of the night. I've just been getting bad sleep, but um I mean, it is what it is. I'm kind of tired, but you know, say la vie. But you're still here, so, still watching anime. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yeah. If that's your entry yeah. for our new theme song, you have been wildly rejected. And I think it, that was, it, you hold the record for fastest rejection. That that was that was my that was my beatbox interpretation of the Attack on Titan theme. I, I, I figured everyone would want to hear it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. I love you know, to be honest Isn't with you, it, it, I, I like isn't it just sad that that is as much Attack on Titan that, that we're going to talk about this week? I know. It is. It is. You know, and I, I like I read the article you sent me. So basically, uh, Daniel San sent me an article saying that the Attack on Titan got episode got delayed because of an earthquake in Japan. And I think that, you know, that is just really disheartening, you know, Um like there, you know, Japan just gets yeah, hit with natural disaster. Out to Japan. Yeah, natural yeah. disaster after natural disaster. You know, one one thing that I really that I've been thinking about, you know, as a viewer for a long time is like if I could get a podcast to raise money, I would really like to help out the studios, you know, in Japan that suffer from this type of stuff. Um, in the the creators because it really does set them back. They already don't make too much money like producing this stuff because people, you know, like me, I'm not going to lie, watch it for free, <laughs> you know, um, you know. Um, so I have the decency to have a Crunchyroll account. <laughs> yeah, true. But even Crunchyroll, like you know, doesn't really. I mean, well, I'm not going. I'm not going to lie. Crunchyroll does do a lot, but I mean, still, I would like to do something to help out. You know. Yeah, no, I, I I know. I wasn't saying because I have a crunchy role, I'm the most supportive anime watcher there is. But No, um, but you're doing I, something. I, I mean, cr- yeah. Yeah. I, I share your sentiment, though. If if we're – this is episode two, so, like, maybe we can make a benchmark. Like, if by episode, like, 100 or something, we can't – we are – 
financially capable, maybe we can start giving back to some of these studios, even, even just as our way of saying thank you for making a great product that we tune into. Thank you for continuously making new stories and uh, not necessarily rehashing uh, the same stereotypes into the ground all the time, but having the creative capabilities of coming out up with new ideas that work so tremendously well and keep us tuning in every week is, uh, is awesome. And that's, that's why, you know, we tune into anime. That's why people tune into this podcast to, to listen to us talk about anime. It's, it's a community. And when you're a part of a community, you contribute to that community to make sure that it lasts longer than just when you're a part of it. Right, because currently, you know, I mean, not I mean, at this point, we might we're already on the topic, but you know, the you know the production of anime isn't even really a sustainable thing. You know, I could I think it would be very like even with all the people that are fans of it, like I could I would not be surprised if in another ten anim, ten years, you know, it was just not a viable like thing to run an anime studio. You know, and there was just less and less anime to the point where you know, they're just, it just didn't exist. Yeah. But, and yeah. Uh, I don't know if, um, I, I don't know if I specifically agree with that because I think in the last couple years in particular, uh, anime has had a bit of a renaissance. Like I think 2019 in particular, you had like, you know, uh, Demon Slayer, Dr. Stone, like you had all these heavy hitters that were new and I think that's the way that anime is going to survive in the future is if they're constantly able to take something new instead of having to fall back on, you know, stuff that's been around forever, like One Piece, Dragon Ball Z, like they're bringing Bleach back this year, like stuff like that. Like it's, well, it's nice to, well, hold on, hold on. It's nice to have cornerstones and I'm not shitting on any of the cornerstones, but what makes things sustainable is when you're able to introduce new content and you're able to reproduce the same feeling that those cornerstones gave us with something new a new idea like it, it breathes a fresh air uh fresh air into into that community so i'm not trying to say like you know the cornerstones are what is costing anime its longevity i'm saying you know new stuff is going to increase the chances that anime as a medium for content sticks around a lot longer than we think. Well, and I agree with that. I do, like, I do think that, you know, and that's why I support new anime, like Demon Slayer, for example, like Jujutsu Kaisen, where people say that, you know, oh, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, rehashing the, the you know, um, or even like, like ReZero, like anime, they're trying to do new stuff and trying to innovate. Like, I got support it. But what I meant more so with that was, you know, in terms of like, you know, the people that are making it like, you know, Demon Slayer was a phenomenal anime, but those people like, you know, are working like under extremely poor conditions. They're not paid a lot of money, you know, and that's because like there's not a lot of money in the, the art industry, you know, like artists don't get paid a lot of money, you know, even if they are producing something that a lot of people are enjoying. So, I mean, I just think that for that reason, you know, like and on top of these natural disasters that make it, you know, set these studios back anyway it's like 
you know, and this isn't the first thing, like, you know, there's been like fires where studios have taken damage and like, you know, there's been tsunamis, like what there was a tsunami in Japan, like, you know, like what, five, like five years ago or something like that, like five, six years ago. Um, you know, all these right. things just make it harder, harder for, you know, for people to want to like, to want to do it, even though they love it. Like a lot of these people that are producing this stuff, like they've, you know, they love anime and they want to make that sacrifice to like produce this content. But it's like, it's really hard when you gotta like, you know, when that's the environment you're going into It's really competitive, you know, you're not getting paid much, right? you know, you're not getting treated right. So, yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. Entertain entertainment as like a, as like a medium, um, it's 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 tough like anime doesn't rank high on that totem pole you know you have right like perennially the super the super bowl is like one of the most watched things in the world on a continual basis like that's sports so then your next medium i would say is like movies and i know like demon slayer last year set the record for you know uh, a movie making money in japan but you know, if we if we're thinking global, like Demon Slayer is not going to do that. It's not going to beat some of these uh, box office hits in the United States. You know, now like last year was a very wonky year for that because of COVID and the pandemic. People aren't going to the movies, so uh, you can't really factor in uh, box office um, numbers per se when when talking about this, but. Even with other streaming platforms like Netflix coming out with original content and um uh and people moving away from cable there's not a lot of avenues for anime to step up as a medium but i think that the last couple years with some of the originals or some of the newer wave of anime like jujitsu kaisen dr stone demon slayer like some of these anime are creating a renaissance and i can only hope that it snowballs to the point where we're waiting for like seasons two and three of like 10 to 15 different animes in a, in a given like two or three year stretch of time. I think that would be an incredible thing. Cause then we have staples of every season and we can truly take the new content and appreciate it without having the pressure of it needing to define the genre. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some anime. Okay. All right. Um, do you want to start? Anything you want to talk about, Dan? Uh, I would love to mention a few things uh, relatively, you know, quickly. Um, I want to touch just, you know, real quick, Promise Neverland. We did talk about it last week, but I just want to say that I'm officially out. Um, I'm going to watch the rest of the season, but the episode that just aired told me that they don't even know what they really want in in this anime um season two has been very vanilla compared to season one it's lost its muster it's lost uh that thriller vibe that we had with ray emma and norman um and in this season uh like i said it's just been all over the place like it's Emma and Ray trying to keep their family safe and they run into this evil blooded demon who doesn't seem evil blooded at all. She seems very nice. She seems helpful. She doesn't eat humans. Uh, She's able to keep her form because of the quote unquote evil blood. Um, 
And then they reintroduced Norman too quickly. And we all knew Norman was still alive, but they brought him back so soon that it wasn't very heartfelt. And I, I kind of didn't care. And he comes out right off the rip wanting to commit like genocide against all these demons. And, you know, to be honest with you, like that came out of left field and it, and it left me thinking like, you know, this isn't Norman, like what's going on? Like, what is the objective now? Um, they finally brought mom back this, this episode. So like the last couple episodes is going to focus on the arc of them going back to Gracefield and saving the rest of their siblings. And all of, you know, Ray's comrades quickly, you know, convert to Emma and Ray's side, you know, peacefully, like really, really quickly. It's just, yeah. Right when you think they're doing one thing, they do a 180 and they're, they're they're doing something else. It makes it so hard to attach yourself to a storyline, let alone a character. So I, I'm not getting enough Ray and he's my favorite character. So I'm going to watch the rest of the season, but I, I don't, I don't, I think it's been a huge disappointment. Yeah, I agree. Like in terms of, you know, and I read ahead of the – like I was so excited after the first season ended that I wanted to read ahead. And friends of mine said, oh, my gosh, you know, like read the manga, read the manga. The manga's you know, well done. You know, if you can't wait for the story, go ahead and read. And I read ahead. And I love what I was reading so much that I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm just going to wait and see it animated because it's going to be phenomenal. And to, to And to see what they've done to the second season has really been like a huge – you know, like a huge, it's left a huge taste in my mouth for the for the Promise Neverland anime because it's something that could have been done infinitely better. And you know, I don't know if it's you know, I would assume to be honest, I would assume that the reason why this happened was really because of animes like Demon Slayer, like Jujutsu Kaisen, and like My Hero Academia. You know, because the thing is, Promise Neverland, you know, falls within the ranks of those, um, within the ranks of those anime in terms of, you know, the magazine in which they're released, in terms of the 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 um, the the viewer demographic. Like those are all is in the ranks with those. You know, it's like for example, um, like I wish I knew enough about basketball to make this reference, but <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, if <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen is like you know, like Kobe Bryant and, you know, Demon Slayer is like LeBron James, you know, Promise Neverland is like Carmelo Anthony, where it's like, eh, like he's pretty good, it's pretty good, but like, I don't really know if I should really, you know, count on him, you know, being a star player this this season. That was, do you think that was a good one? That was a so good one? So that was actually a really good analogy. That actually oh, man, worked out really you. well I was for like, you. Ooh. <laughs> I was like, I can, like, I can see you sweating over way. there, like having to think of the sports <laughs> analogy, but you you you, you did well. <laughs> I did well. Okay, cool. I was like, God damn it, I really know if that's the one, but yeah, it's like that. Where it's like, you know, if that's the case, it's like you're not going to draft. You know, you're not going to draft Promise Neverland because, and even if that's your studio, because this studio, like the thing is, like, and I, and I get it, right? If you're an anime studio, you only have. X amount of dollars, right? But you're producing, you know, more than just Promise Neverland. So you got to put your money in the thing that's going to get you your money back, right? And for example, the same studio that's making Promise Neverland is producing Horiyama. That's another anime that's seen a lot of success right now. 
you know, and it's like if Promise Neverland has to compete with Jujutsu Kaisen and Demon Slayer, why would I put my money in that demographic when I could just throw my money in Horiyama and get my money back on the people that are into like, you know, the, the rom-com anime? You know what I mean? Like from a business standpoint, but it's kind of fucked up because Promise Neverland is such a good story, you know, that I don't know. I think that's why they did it. Like if it's I'm thinking good, off the top of my head. It's such a good story it. that yeah, it's such a good story that if they didn't skimp on it and they did it like the original story was written, that it would probably keep garnering attention and potentially be this cash cow for them that they thought that it was going to be. But because they're cutting corners right. for whatever reason, uh, it's really going to take away from that from that final destination that they thought they were going to get to and where we thought they was going to get to. There was a lot of hype from the the entire community going into this. So, right. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um, but, uh, before we, before we get into reviews, one more I want to briefly talk about is, uh, it's an anime that came out last summer. It's widely regarded as one of the best anime to come out in 2020. Um, it is by the same director as Death Parade and Mob Psycho 100, and it is written by the same guy who wrote Attack on Titan, Banana Fish, and Vinland Saga. It's called Decadence. And I am three episodes in, and I can tell you that the world building is very similar to Attack on Titan. You know, like 90% of humanity has been destroyed because of some uh, catastrophic event. It's not Titans this time, it's just the world becoming uninhabitable. Uh, and Decadence mm -hmm. is this large mobile fortress that protects the remainder of humanity from these uh, alien creatures called Gaddle uh, that are violent. Um, and the people of Decadence fight the Gaddle and they eat the meat from their corpse and they the in the Gaddle's bodies, like in their bloodstream, is this energy called Oxion. Um so it's all about this girl named Natsume, who, whose father died when she was young, uh, going up against the Gaddle. And she uh, is considered a tanker, and she's a human, and the humans are like the bottom of the totem pole. And uh, episode two... Just so there's multiple races? Yes. There's, there's, there's multiple uh, races? There's like okay. computer AI, there's um, like other alien races, and then there's uh, humans, and then there's the Gaddle. The Gaddle are more like monsters, kind of like the Titans in Attack on Titan. They don't really talk. They ju they're just there to be, um, you know, uh, monster-like antagonists. Um, but you really... What really sells this is a couple things. Natsume as a character really sells it for me because she is very eccentric. Um, she is very extra. So like her emotions and her um, you know facial expressions uh, are are a highlight. And those types of characters in anime for me uh, really make watching the show enjoyable because they. Uh, you know, the the, uh, the viewer almost lives vicariously through that character because she's reacting almost how you're reacting. Like if 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 the characters run into something that's really shocking, she'll be like the most shocked of them all. And she'll like do it in an over exaggerated way. Like, what? You know, and <laughs> <laughs> um, it just it makes it so much uh 
so much more entertaining and and to pair her up with someone like uh Kavaragi who is the other protagonist in this um he's more of your uh tough natured kind of uh like a veteran soldier kind of kind of guy who uh just like is a leader without you know um without having to exert himself as a leader um to pair them together for this anime is a very good dynamic that is very very entertaining um so it's gotten so much so many good reviews uh, the like i said the world building is like attack on titan i'm only three episodes in there's supposed to be a Westworld level plot twist towards the end, so I'm very excited. Uh, and we'll have more to say on that in the future on this pod. Okay, I might check it out. I like banana. I thought banana uh, banana fish was phenomenal. Um, I, I thought that that was just a really like coolly done anime. So it, so, huh? When did that come out? Banana Fish came out um, like 2018 and Banana Fish, another thing about Banana Fish that, you know, um, is that I feel like it's one of the most popular animes on Twitter, um, you know, for reasons that I don't think we will like it, <laughs> but <laughs> I liked it personally. I liked it, but it has a lot of, um, it's like kind of like a, a male romance story, but it's not done in like a, a way, like an off-putting way. Um, so, okay. um, yeah, so for that reason, I, I definitely be interested in checking out Decadence to see what it's about. <laughs> and as I, as I continue to, to watch it, I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give updates here on the pod and I'll, I'll give you updates as well. Uh, I got Joey into it over the weekend and, and he's pretty sold as well. So, uh, I think it has a lot of promise and I think it might've accurately be, been, you know, rated as one of the best in, in 2020, which is, which is saying something. So. Um, but, uh, if, if you're ready, we'll, we'll get into our first, uh, our first anime review after, uh, after a quick break. All right. Hello everyone. We are back. You're stuck with us. You're stuck with us forever and (laughs) ever and ever. Um, Uh, all right. So. I know that's what we do. They call me Don Creeper Coon. That's my full name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> I don't think anyone um, will be right. besides cancel culture. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get canceled for being that. Um, but anyway, let's hop into retail. So last episode was really it was definitely you know a lot of stuff happened. You know a lot a lot of you know a lot of things were thrown into the mix. You know like so there was the the fight between Elsa, Elsa versus Garth. Um, and I definitely had, I had a, a, to, to begin there, there was a lot of things I was, that were running through my mind. Like one, you know, first and foremost, I just didn't see how Elsa was able to fight Garf on evil foot, even footing. Um, I just felt like, you know, if I just felt like Elsa should have been able to defeat Garf like pretty easily. Like I felt like they were pretty evenly matched and I didn't really think that like made a lot of sense seeing as Subaru was technically able to beat up Garf, you know, with like one of, with his little stomach punch. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I felt like Elsa should have made like work. Elsa was able to go toe to toe with, with what is his name? Reinhardt, right? Not Reinhardt. Um, it was, what's his name? When, when, the, uh, when, red dude. Would, when, when she would, when she, would she? Oh yeah, Reinhardt from like uh from like the, 
the first couple episodes. I always forget that she was a part of that like first like few episode arc. Uh, it, that was Reinhardt, and and then everyone toe to toe. Like Garf is like fourteen or something. Like <laughs> come on now. <laughs> yeah, and and <laughs> I think I conversely, I actually liked them going toe to toe. Uh, what I don't like about Elsa as a character is that she seems super OP and super broken. Like, she is, like, one of the least guarded people. She's wearing, like, you know, uh, a washcloth for a dress, and she holds, like, two blades in her hands, and that's it. And, you know, that whole fight, every time we've seen her fight, she barely leaves with a scratch. And that's what makes me not particularly like Elsa as a character, but then they threw the reveal that she's a vampire on top of that. And, you know, that, that was when I was done with that fight. When they revealed that she was a vampire, I was, I was over it. I was like that. This takes away everything. I didn't have a problem with the fight. I thought the fight was pretty entertaining to watch, but in terms of power scaling, you know, and in terms of just being like, all right, you know, how strong is Elsa? It's like that kind of was like a, you know, a hit to her strength as a character that the fact that she was fighting on equal turns with Garth, but she was, you know, like I thought she was much stronger than that. Like throughout the whole series, there was a lot of, altercations that she was in where i'm like damn she's really fucking powerful but now garf is like fighting her toe to toe and smashing her face in and like you know what i mean like it's not even like i don't know i felt like she should have killed garf is what i'm saying like a lot sooner um well don't underestimate garf either because because we've seen garf a lot in season two and, and you referenced when subaru did his one little punch on him but that was also after he had fought ram and uh Otto before that and then before that arc um in the first quarter of season two he killed Subaru like once or twice as that giant like beast that he could turn into so I don't think you should underestimate Garth but I do Ram punch Garth in the face and like Ram was beating the shit out of Garth Ram was beating the shit out of Garf with her bare hands. Like, Ram is not... Like, Ram isn't a lightweight. But, like, Ram is not... Like, Ram isn't stronger than Ram. You know? And Ram could not stand up to Elsa. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I just thought it's not that big of a deal. I just thought that, like, Elsa was a lot crazier than that. For her to be fighting Garf and for her to be like, ooh, Garf, you're you, you're super sharp. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know. It was entertaining to watch. I'm not going to deny that. But I just felt like Elsa was a bit stronger than that. Okay, so here's the here's the follow-up question then though. Um with her pow- with how powerful they have made her appear so far and the reveal that she is a vampire if she is like one of the most OP characters in ReZero and she happens to be a vampire what effect does that have on the story as a whole? Because we are sitting here trying to rank the hierarchy hierarchy of like uh, 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 mana users or whatever, like the people with the powers, mm-hmm. like the archbishops, the the witches, cold, mm-hmm. um, you know, Reinhardt, like the knights and everything. Like I, I get they fought the 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 whale. Um, we have all these people that exhibit their powers and we are we're constantly asking ourselves and reevaluating the hierarchy of powers so 
the fact that they introduced vampires and that vampires can be just as OP as anyone else, what do you think that does for the story? I mean, I don't necessarily, you know, given the type of story that ReZero is and, the, and you know, the way that they do their world building, I don't necessarily mind that Elsa's a vampire. I, at first, it kind of was a bit off-putting, um, but I don't really mind because it is not like it, it kind of came out of nowhere, but like, I guess I can say like, all right, I'll give you that because... You know, there has been a lot of things that have shown that she's had this, like, you know, immortality thing going on. So it's like, all right, well, you warned us, technically. You know, I don't really like the explanation behind it because it's like, oh, she's a vampire. Like, you could have done better than that, but you did give us forewarning. So, like, I'll give you that. That's how I feel about the whole vampire thing. Um, But what I think would be kind of... I just don't like the idea of Garth being a vampire. I'm not going to lie. I think that's a little too much. That's and that's, what I'm, too that's much. what I'm afraid of. Because, like, I agree with you that the fight was was pretty epic, but the dialogue the whole time was so boring. It was like Garth saying, I won't give up because the boss told me I can't give up. And it was Elsa saying, you can't kill me, and I want to touch how warm your guts are. Like, that was, like, the whole dialogue. And at the end, you have the bite in the neck and... and that tells me like Garf is now going to be a vampire and I don't know what that's going to do for his arc, but I, I just thought it was kind of cheap to, to we've been waiting for this like last couple episodes, like all season. So for them to introduce this thing, like, you know, vampires as like a, a real big, like plot twist. I just, I just think it's cheap for what we're, what we really want. Like uh, I, this is, this is a great way of pivoting towards Amelia's third trial. The last trial seemed pretty damn easy, didn't it? It seemed like it. With the one before, what the second one? The third one, the one that was just in this episode. She got she she walks out of the uh, sanctuary, and it seems like she like completed the the third trial, the the, the trial for the future. Well, I mean. It see one, it seemed pretty easy, but two, you know, I, I think that trial, you know, there there was a lot of things that happened. Like I think we could do a whole podcast on that whole on that trial alone because there was a lot of things that happened. One, Amelia saw a lot of potential futures that could have had that can happen in ReZero. Almost in a certain way that ReZero has experienced a lot of potential um has experienced a lot of potential futures himself, you know, um, you know, right, going through, through his return by death. Right. right. So I'm interested to see what that does to her character, having seen that herself. Um, also, her ending up in the witch's tea party was also very weird. Yeah. And the reason why I ask was because, like, you know, how easy it was, was because I am under the impression that spoiler alert the trial isn't over yet i think she's still in the trial right i think so too because she hasn't walked out she hasn't walked out of the sanctuary since uh the third trial has begun or since the second trial has begun actually i think um no since the third one since the third one started she hasn't walked out so I mean, well, I mean that's how that's is. how that section of the episode ends. She walks out, and it's a complete blizzard out there. She wants to go tell everyone that she lifted the the sanctuary, 
Um, and I think you're right that we could literally do like a whole episode just on like the implications of of that trial because you have the Witch of Wrath who who tells Amelia that she knows her mother and isn't allowed to say anything about it. Then you have her going through a door that looked like the the seal from uh, the first trial, like her memories and everything. Uh, and then you have her seeing Echidna's grave, whether that was real or not. And obviously it wouldn't be real if she was still in the trial, but um, you know, uh, how can we iron out? Like it's, I know it's Echidna's spell, that's holding the sanctuary's protection. Um, but she's not the, she, just because it's her spell. She's not the power source. The power source is Ryuzu Meyer. Um, she is the power source that is holding up the, the spell and that's caught in creating this barrier to keep the sanctuary safe. So, so spell power source. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that Amelia is still in the trial, and I think that next episode we're going to get a huge, huge plot twist with that. I think it's going to be like borderline, like something we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I agree. I definitely <clears throat> think you know, I like next few episodes of Rezero are going to be bombshells, like in terms of. Um, especially in terms of that, the the trial, because there's been a lot of emphasis on what's really going on within within the trial. Um, they've been talking about the whole season. You know, we're finally, you know, Amelia's finally making progress. So I'm interested to see, like, what happens um, in terms of that. Um, but also, you know, how, uh, like, you know, how, um, how, I don't know, just the witch's tea party thing kind of just got to me because it's like, one, why would Echidna not sh- not be present in the trial? Like, why? why? There's just so much. It was just very weird. Like, why would Echidna not be there? Why does Echidna have these feelings towards Amelia? Why Why did Echidna, why is Wrath involved in the trial? You know what I mean? Like, there, it was just very weird that Wrath was the one there to tell Amelia that. And then Wrath did not want Amelia to look her in the face. You know? Like, there was so... Like, that was just so bizarre to me to see. Um, and I feel like yeah, there's no... and I don't know how much of it will get explained either. Right. I was going to say that. Like, I don't really know how much... Because there, there, there is no real back context to why... I Like, I can't theorize off of that because of how out of field it was of a scene but it definitely stood out that was the the scene that stood out to me the most in the episode to be honest with you aside from another one that we're going to get to um yeah what's that feel free to transition (laughs) all right yeah so i mean we can just transition to that so i mean the 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 scene the second scene that stood out the most to me was the whole ram and roswell scene and how Ram was like, you know, Garfield, not Garfield, you know, Roswell, I just love you. I'm just in love with you, you know, because, you know, me, me and Dan have talked about this scene. Like when, I, when, you know, the episode first dropped, like we talked about it and I was just like, you know, I just don't like it was I really did not like that scene at first. I really didn't like it because I'm like, it does not make any sense for Ram to love Roswell. Like there was no, you know, like Roswell killed her whole family, you know. Uh, even though he treated her nicely in this mansion, it just made no sense for her to love Roswell, right? To be in love with Roswell. 
But <clears throat> what, you know, after thinking about it, I think, you know, and what, what, Dan, what, Dan, what Dan said was, you know, that's just how emotions are, you know, like emotions aren't rational. They aren't logical. Like Ram, like that's just how Ram feels. And it's really that simple. Like I thought that there was, you know, some other reason behind it. And it really is just the simple reason that Ram just feels the way she feels. And for that reason, I, I really feel like that makes ReZero that much more of a special anime to me that you have characters like that. Because the thing is, is usually when I typically when I watch anime, like especially like I've seen a bunch of, you know, romance anime, like, you know, to the point where like it's usually done like that. Like there are these special moments that characters have when it's like it was because of these sequences of moments that these characters ended up together or because of a moment that happened in the past, like these characters ended up together, you know, not just these characters just out of the blue got feelings for each other, you know, for whatever reason. And I, I think that that just makes ReZero feel more real, you know, and the characters feel more, it makes the characters feel more relatable. Yeah. yeah and uh, the, what I would want to add to that is uh, I, I, I wasn't completely sold on Ram telling Roswell that she loved him either. And ironically enough, what it reminded me of is when Subaru was telling um, Amelia that he loved her and she kept denying it kind of in a similar way that Roswell was denying it. And, uh, you know, both, both uh, just didn't really, you know, do it for me. Like, like I don't know if they're trying to go into like all different types of love. Like, uh, like Roswell obviously has like some type of obsession with the kidna, um, and he's he's very fixated, and it doesn't see it's it seems very one sided as opposed to um, Subaru and Amelia. Subaru ha- has this very devout love for Amelia, but it's more critical and it it keeps her accountable for her actions. And he said, like, I see you a certain way because you know, that's like, that's the, the best version of yourself. I accept you for everything you are, including your faults, but I won't excuse your faults because I love you. And like that type of love has helped Amelia, not only reciprocate some type of love for for Subaru, but she has grown into a more tolerable character, in my opinion, one that I can finally back because the the heroine from season one was nauseously annoying and just like like nothing describes her more than when she came out of the second trial and she she said man have i really relied on people that much like you know throughout my whole life and i think the collective audience you know reaction was yes yes you have and it's about time that you shed that shell and become this new character but not to stray too far away from the point um they they show love in different uh in different shades of light like you can even look at beatrice's love for echidna she looks at echidna like she's her mom and she can't accept that she was abandoned by her and roswell like left you know 
left there for someone to come and and save her. She was left as bait. She couldn't accept that at first. That's why she kicked Subaru out because she still needed that person to rely on. And she asked Subaru to be that person. And what was really cool was like Subaru told her, like, are you crazy? Obviously, I can't be that person. He's like, that's not healthy for you to need that type of person to rely on. Subaru wants the best for Beatrice because he wants Beatrice to be able to want and think and do for herself. And I have a feeling that that's going right. to lead to a contract between the two of them uh, in the last couple episodes. But, um, you know, that being said, the whole Roswell and Ram, you know, like, I love you thing. It just... I feel like the way that it was produced and like the way I watched it, I was supposed to feel some type of way about it. And I just didn't, I think like the biggest thing that. Oh, I I was going to say is also like, there's another, I have a theory about that where I just feel like there is some connection between the witch's scent and people being attracted to, to it. Um, or like the or uh, the witch factor and people being attracted to the witch factor. Like I think there's a strong connection because, um, you know, there are like a lot of characters. There's this theme with one, like there's this theme with a lot of characters and creatures in ReZero that I've noticed from you know the moment I started watching it that they have this deep attraction to these uh, these characters that are tied to the tied to witches specifically for example like the mobbies are all characters that you know are extremely attracted to subaru because he has the witch's scent you know and they're also attracted to amelia as well if i if i'm not mistaken right like the mobbies and um like i'm pretty sure they're also attracted to amelia not just subaru um and um you know and also the way that you know Rem also has this, you know, this kind of unhealthy, undying love for Subaru, um, you know, where it doesn't really, there's no like rationale to it. It's just like a kind of like a obsessive compulsive love, you know? And I think it, there's a duality to it. Like I think it, you know, love in, in a lot of human beings is kind of like that where you, you know, you can't really help how you feel about people, but also I would not be surprised if there was some underlying, you know, thing about the witches, the witch factor, because we don't know that much about the witch factor. You know, we just know it's a thing and we know it's a force in the world, you know. Um, so I'd be interested to see yeah. if, if there was something. Like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And you know, it's funny when you were saying that uh, something that kind of popped up in my mind was a lot of times when someone says I love you and they they explain their love to someone it's not initially reciprocated. Like when Subaru keeps telling Amelia that, that he loves her, like she just doesn't believe it. And it's not like she, her initial reaction is, Oh my God, I can't believe you love me. I love you too. It's not like that. Ram tells, uh, Roswell that he, that she loves him. And Roswell's like, you know, I can't believe that. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, it's not like he had hidden things for her all along either. Um, you could say the same thing about uh, Garfield technically having, you know, feelings for Ram and, and loving Ram. That's not reciprocated. At least it's not reciprocated but, on the surface, you know? So, but I think that's different. 
I think with with Ram and Garf is different because that seems even a bit more natural. Because Garf is like a little shy, like he's a little shy. They have like cute little moments, like they're building up attraction towards each other. And Ram is like kind of like Ram, for example, let Garf sit on his lap. Like it's it's like a slow budding romance between them. You know, it's not like how Subaru was just like Amelia, 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 or like how Roswell was like you know. I got to, you know, go through this crazy shit for fucking Echidna, you know? Like, it it was more, like, the Garth and Ram, it kind of was weird, but it was more natural. It was the most natural romance that I've seen in ReZero, in my opinion. It would probably it was be the, the most one natural. romance that I could get behind. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Right. It's, like, the one romance <laughs> that seems a little bit more natural that I could get behind. I think... My whole point was that not all, not a lot of the romances or not a lot of the scenes where people are admitting that they love someone, it's not initially reciprocated. So maybe it's not this natural, you know, pheromone type of love, but it's this uh, connection to the witch's scent, like you were saying, potentially. I think that a, I think more needs to be shed around how the witch's scent works and stuff like that, because it's very subliminal like when we get information about the witch's cult in general it's usually not that much it's usually very little information right. and we have to infer what the information means most of the times like they're never re-zero is not one to be like this is what this means they're like this happened um what do you think it means? <laughs> and, then <we> to, <laughs> and then we have to watch all 25 episodes to even feel good about ourselves, you know? So, um, so, you know, we're going to keep watching and, and, and keep tabs on that. But uh, that's a, that's an interesting theory that, that you have. And, and maybe more light will be shed on that. And maybe that's how Roswell can be saved by being snapped out of that connection to, to, the witch's scent and everything, especially now that Ram has destroyed the book, which I thought was the big takeaway of that episode. Right. So, yeah, I agree. I would be interested to see what happens after that. Um, all right. Well, you know, are you, uh, I think it's time to take another break, man. I think it's break time for me. Sounds good. Hello everyone. We're back. And now we are going to talk about Jujutsu Kaisen and how they started their final arc this week. Um, yes. So basically, we have Itadori, Nobara, and Megami um, going off on a mission. Uh, like, it seems like like one of your regular Jujutsu Tech missions, which is kind of cool. I thought that them getting back to that kind of uh uh that kind of basic like you know principle was important because it's the first time uh in a while that the three of them are together doing another mission for a lot of the season itadori was being hidden because he was alive but he didn't they didn't want people to know that he was alive and then during the sister school exchange event they almost diverge immediately when Itadori goes up against um, Todu and then the special grade. So for them to get back to a storyline where the three of them uh, can feed off each other's chemistry, they're very tight-knit, they're all first years together, um, you know, I think that uh, that was really refreshing 
And I thought it was pretty cool that they introduced another staff member. Um, uh, Akari Nita uh, was their chaperone for this one instead of uh, instead of the guy from last time. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, you know, a little bit of expanding. Uh, Goju's not in the episode. Uh, Megami references how Goju won't be back until next week. And I think while they are um, kind of dancing around Goju being so OP, not having him in every episode is only going to do the entire anime justice because the one thing you don't want is your OP character around a hundred percent of the time because it takes the stakes and the risks involved episode to episode away because they could just use Goju for everything. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Goju is pretty OP. I'm not going to lie. Like as a character, like his abilities are just kind of like, like he's just, he's truly OP. Um, I think what's going to happen, though, is I think they're going to be like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm like, I'd put, I'd bet someone $5,000 that they're going to succeed with the plan to discuss last week about sealing Goju. Cause it makes a lot of sense. Like, they, they had that Goju specific barrier, uh, uh, barrier, which, which was meant to keep Goju out, quote unquote. Um, but he was able to break in, like, relatively easy, right? Um, I mean, he is Goju, so I mean, that's not that crazy, but you know, the idea of having a domain expansion to keep him in so that he can't get out, you know, I think that that is pretty, pretty likely. I think they're going to seal Goju into some kind of domain expansion, um, and keep him locked in there so that they can, uh, enact a plan to revive Sakuna because, it makes sense because the thing is, like the characters are, like you were saying, the characters are not going to be able to grow as long as Goju is there to handle the shit. You know, it, they're just not. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, I think like that you're hitting home on a point that that we kind of made last week, or or we talked about maybe separately that uh, when you have a character that's as OP as Go Goju. Um, you know, we, we've seen it in anime before where it takes away from a series because it's almost like a cop out uh, almost. And uh, I would have put Goju in the category for best boy in the anime awards because he's that entertaining of a character and he's that fun to follow him around. And I think like, you know, having off weeks like this week where he's not involved in the episode does his character a little bit of justice so that we don't get tired of him cleaning up everyone else's messes, but it also does justice for the show in general where, you know, Itadori, Megami, uh, Nabara, like they can feel real life consequences without their safety net around. So I think like you're kind of hitting hard on um, a solid prediction for the end of the season where, you know, they might neutralize him. I don't know if they'll kill him, but, oh, I don't think they're going to kill him. I think they're going to put him in a domain. I think they're going to seal him using a domain expansion. I think it'll be a lie. I don't think they'll kill him. I think they'll seal him. I think they're going to they're going to contain him because I don't think they can kill him. I don't think that there's they have the technology. I don't think they have the technology to kill him. I think they'll seal him away because that way, if you seal him away, I think that he can still be present in the series, but not be able to interfere with 
you know, real challenges like, you know, fighting, uh, you know, like the S class, uh, S class curses, you know, that are like really causing a lot of trouble. Yeah. And, and like, uh, that's a perfect way to transition. So the, the story of this episode for the most part is Itadori, Nabara and Megami are tracking down, um, a curse that is killing, um, similar classmates who visited this uh, haunted bridge that the middle schoolers would go to and do like leap of faiths off of. And there was a lot of superstition around it. Um, I think it's kind of cool that they, the way that they investigate is they kind of look for supernatural stuff like that. I think that's kind of, uh, you know, in the same vein, it kind of like doubles down on, how uh curses are made from like uh people's negative emotions so i thought that was really cool um but the whole episode you know for the most part you get the chemistry between itadori navara and megami and that's super entertaining like having those three together is is like a like a ghostbuster squad almost that you get to watch episode in and out where they feed off of each other uh it's very exciting to watch but what happens behind the scene, the result of the sister, the attack on the sister exchange student was um, the cursed spirit with the stitches. I forget his name, but he stole those special grade uh, curses that Jiu-Jitsu Tech had locked up. And he tests one and he asks him if he could go on, you know, an errand for him. And when at the end of the episode, when Itadori... Megami and Nabara are about to take care of the curse that exists under that bridge. That special grade shows up. So that's the, that's this episode was introducing that final arc that's going to happen. I can't tell you what exactly is going to happen, but you know, they're going to have to fight that special grade. And if Goju's not around, who knows how it's going to go. Right. Well, I mean, you know, Goju is one one person that, uh, you know, can help. But there's another person that, you know, has been pretty effective at taking down special grades. Todu? Names begins with an S, ends with an A. Sakuna. I think oh. Sakuna, he hasn't made an appearance in episodes. I think Sakuna is going to have a crazy battle before this ends. He needs at least one more. He's shown his fangs, but he hasn't fought. In he's a got while. to, doesn't he? He's he's got to. He's got I think to. like Itadori has done his best to to not bring him out, but I mean, he like Sakuna has to return before the season ends, right? He just has to. Right. He has to. Yeah, I'm expecting. I'm expecting Sakuna to pop out on some something crazy. I think that's what's going. On. I think. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. he's been pretty sleepy. He's been quiet. <laughs> I have, we haven't seen anything like any any because usually he has some sort of like you know comment or something, but no Sakuna in episodes, right? Episodes, nothing. Right. Right, and Itadori's become a much stronger sorcerer. He's become a much stronger jujitsu sorcerer, but he's you know he's still he's he can he can barely fight s s grade uh curses because he was he helped todu fight the s grade but i mean they didn't kill him they needed goju to come in and and help him and and you know goju didn't even kill him so i think if we're talking you know hierarchy 
of like if if he's capable of taking down the S grade like by himself with Megami and Nabara as help. I think the answer is no right now. And I think we need mm-hmm. to we need to see uh Sukuna before this ends. And whether it's against this S grade or whether it's something else unforeseen so far, uh I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think this le- I don't know how long this last arc is gonna be, but I know this is how they're gonna end the season and I have a feeling we're gonna get a really big uh cliffhanger of a of a season one finale. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. I agree. Um what else happened in the episode? I mean, to be honest, the whole stuff with Megami and his sister having the curse, like, I felt like they might have spent a little bit more time on that than I would have liked. Um, you know, I, I understand you want to take your time to pace the story, but, I mean, I was kind of bored for the first half of the episode. Um, I disagree. Uh, I think I think Megami they're setting up Megami to be a very important and very complex character. Um, he's been shown almost more than any other Jujutsu sorcerer other than Itadori, and he has he's had really key involvement. So first, um, before Itadori, Itadori died, uh, Megami fought Sakuna. And he had that whole interaction, and Sukuna himself was impressed with Megami and his, you know, uh, status as a Jujutsu sorcerer. Then he right. participates in the Sister Exchange event, and he goes up against the guy who uses the blood. He doesn't open up his eyes. He's like widely considered as one mm-hmm. of the most powerful guys at the other school. Uh, he goes up against him pretty well, and even that guy is impressed with Megami. So I like and as well as like Megami having like a strong relationship with Itadori, I think they're really setting up Megami to be this complex character that um, will eventually have an arc more centered around him as opposed to him being this side character for a lot of the arcs that that have played out so far. And um I'm excited for that. I think like this episode showed that the chemistry between the three, the three first years is something that the show can, um, can rely on as, as part of the framework for why this series is working so well. Um, and I think a big part of that is Megami just as much as Itadori. Cause we need something to, we need something when Itadori's not there and we need something that's not as OP as Goju. And, uh, the the arc with his sister is showing that he is vulnerable, but he's vulnerable uh, with stuff that he cares about, and he wants to keep it close to the chest and just take care of it himself. That's signs that those are like signs of leadership, in my opinion. You know, I I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I'm, I'm but I'm also just, uh, yeah, I'm I also was... just a sucker for for Jujutsu Kaisen at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I am too, but like, I just, I don't know, me personally, I just wasn't really for it. Like, I, I mean, it's not, like, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I'm, I, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's terrible, but I just, like, I could tell they were, I can, I could tell throughout the whole series, they were trying to bring a lot of focus to Megami as a character. You know, like, for example, they were like, you know, we got to kill all the students, but there's one that we might not want to kill because Sakuna has like a special tie to that one, one character, which is obviously Megami. And I like I just there hasn't been enough yet of him that I've seen to make me really 
like him as a character enough to be excited about seeing like a lot of Meg me focused like story time. Um, and maybe that might change. Like maybe because he's a character that holds all of his cards to his chest, there's things that I don't know about about him as a character and about his plot line to the point where like once those things are revealed, like I might be like, oh shit, Megumi is like fucking crazy. But as of right now, I just feel like I just haven't really seen enough to make me excited about that. Um, it'll probably be an entertaining arc. Um, Because there's a lot we don't know about it, but I'm not particularly excited about Megami as a character, to be honest with you. Interesting. <laughs> Three, two, yeah, just I just where I stand. Um, yeah. That's fair, yeah. That's fine. That's, fair. that's, that's, fine. Fair, yeah. that's yeah. what makes this better. We can hit home on two different audiences. I'll be Team Megami, and you can be uh, Team Volcano Head or whatever hit that guy is. <laughs> Uh, Go Gojo, I think that's his name. Gojo. Um, yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess I. Oh no, that's his name. Gojo is Gojo, and then Goju. Um, yeah, I think he's gonna have another crazy comeuppance before it is confusion, confusing. But I think he's gonna have another crazy comeuppance before the end of the season too. Um, he might fight Sakuna. I think that would we'll be see. interesting to see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see about definitely that. Definitely excited. Definitely going to stay tuned. Yeah, definitely excited. We got. Uh, we got. We're we're getting towards the end of the season, so we're getting like the finales of Attack on Titan. We're getting the finale of ReZero. We're getting the finale of Jujutsu Kaisen of Doctor Stone. Um, you know, I'm keeping up with Skate the Infinity. Uh, this week they released a uh, a 9.5 episode, and whenever you see a 0.5 episode, you know it's just a goddamn recap. So, um, so you know we're we're patiently waiting, but we have a lot of uh, exciting uh, exciting finales that we're looking forward to, and pretty soon we'll do our preview for for the spring. And uh, you know, word on the street is that there is an abundance of really good anime coming out uh, as the weather gets better. That and is the word on the street. That's the word on the street, and uh, I, I grew up on these streets, so I'm I'm approving. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you have anything uh, anything else before we sign out? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, you know, we'll be in next week. Um, you know, I'm expecting next week of Attack on Titan is going to be bananas. Um, particularly, I'm expecting that to be bananas. Next episode, Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, like that'll be pretty good. I'm I'm expecting, and for Rezero, who knows? That's where I'm at right with it. Yeah, and uh, we're you know we're still a very new podcast, so you can hit us up on Twitter at Anime Today Pod, or you can uh, email us and tell us what you think of the show so far at uh, Anime Today Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll have another episode for you next week, and there's plenty more to come. We're only going to get better. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>